So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me this morning to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're continuing our series of messages in the book of Nehemiah entitled Building a Community of Faith. And um, we've, we've been moving through the book of Nehemiah, and today we're in Nehemiah chapter 4, and I want to read to us verses 1 through 6. Our message this morning is entitled, Building in the Face of Opposition. Building in the Face of Opposition. Again, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And the scripture says, When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Boy, that's some cheerleader, huh? And Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they, are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of your builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Again, this morning, our message is entitled Building in the Face of Opposition. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray you would use it to speak to us and to encourage us as your people, as well as to make us aware of what it will take to move forward in the building of your your kingdom and even this community of faith. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And so as we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah, we've seen that the focal point of the book is the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And we've said that for us, it's a picture of the building of a strong um, spiritual community of faith. And thus far, we've heard the challenge. We've seen the need to allow, allow God's work to grip our hearts and then, and, and then to have that passion joined with action. And as well, we, we saw the need a couple of weeks ago for the cooperation of God's people in such an endeavor that we need to partner together. This isn't your work. It's not my work. It's our work together working with the Lord. And I trust by now that we all sense the great need to build a strong spiritual community of faith. For especially as we move through this time of pandemic and God willing eventually come out of it, there will be a great need for those who will commit themselves to the work of rebuilding, that there might be a force for the gospel of Jesus Christ, both here in this community as well as for the sake of our world at large. Now, of course, whenever one endeavors to do anything for God, whenever any individual or group of people attempt to build and expand God's kingdom, they can be sure that they will face Opposition. Do you know that? They will face opposition. They will surely encounter enemies who will seek to thwart their work and bring it to a standstill. But such has been the case throughout the history of God's people, throughout church history, even going all the way to the back to the book of Acts. 
and I've experienced it myself. You attempt to move forward in the things of God, what God has called you to do, and somehow the enemy gets in and brings things to a standstill. Well, such was the case as the people of Nehemiah's day. They, they sought to rebuild the walls of their city, and the enemy wanted to bring the work to a stop. In Nehemiah chapters 4 and as well we'll see chapter 6, they illustrate for us the ways in which God's enemies um, attack God's people and seek to hinder the work. But we will also see the ways in which God's people are able to overcome that opposition. And I believe that if we will follow their example, then we, like them, will be successful in building, even rebuilding Strong walls around this community of faith, even if and when we face opposition. And so I want to speak to us, first of all, about the attacks of the enemy. You know, every military strategist knows the importance of learning the ways of their enemy. They study their enemy's strengths and weaknesses. They, 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 they try to learn, learn the various lines of attack that the enemy might use against them. They try to learn their plans and moves, how it is they function in the past and what it is they might do in the future, that they might be on guard and ready to fight. You know, it's similar to a football team that spends hours studying videotapes of their opponents, learning the plays and the moves used by them. Why? so that they can be ready, so that the opponent won't be able to surprise them or get an upper hand on them, so that they'll be able to respond in a way that will, that will, will stop the enemy, won't allow the enemy to defeat them, and even set up their own offensive moves. In Nehemiah 4 and 6, we find four lines of attack used by the enemy to hinder the work of building. And I believe that we would do well this morning to learn and understand these ways of the enemy that we might be prepared and thus not be defeated. But I want us to remember as we speak about these, that although the attacks and the opposition may come from people around us, even through some of the systems of our world in which we live, as Paul points out in Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Let us remember who our real enemy is this morning. Amen, church? And so the first line of attack, we read about it already in verses 1 through 3, is what we might call discouragement. Discouragement. Notice how the enemies of Judah were attempting to, to discourage them from their work. And you can, you can almost hear like the sarcasm and the taunting in their voice. You'll never be able to do it. What makes you think that you'll ever amount to anything? You're just a, a group of refugees. Come on, give it up already. They were speaking word after word of discouragement. And I believe this morning that one of the primary ways in which the enemy will try to hinder the work of God's people is to discourage them. Why? Because people who are discouraged, they have no energy or initiative. When you're discouraged, you, you can't be aggressive, for you have no more drive, you have no more vision. People who remain in discouragement eventually give up on the task before them. And as I've spoken to pastors and listen to church leaders through the years, but especially during this time, we all agree that there's a great tendency towards discouragement. 
After all, it's hard to navigate all the things that have been placed before us, is it not? It's hard to navigate everything that's happening. I mean, things are changing so fast, and people are tired and afraid and discouraged, and and leaders in our churches and pastors are tired and afraid and discouraged. I heard one guy say that pastors today have, have decision fatigue, right? You know what that's like, right? You constantly have to make another decision. And all of this, what we're facing today, is on top of the fact that we live in a society and a culture that we know no longer truly values the work of the church like maybe it once did or the message that we bring. And we live in a time of great instability and unrest. We live in a time when, yes, the landscape seems to be changing faster than we can handle it. And the way we did ministry even just a few years ago seems to no longer, no longer connect or reach the people that we're trying to reach. And thus we as congregations all across our nation, even across the world, have, have often become discouraged. Believers are d- discouraged. Pastors discouraged. I, listen, I've had to battle it myself. I know many of you have as well. And we try to believe that the blessings and the growth will come, but at times it seems like things are moving in the opposite direction, does it not? And thus, if we're not careful, we become discouraged. But listen, we need to be aware that the enemy will speak discouraging words into our lives. The enemy will seek to discourage us and thus stop us from the work of building. The second line of attack we find in, in, these, in these chapters here is, is what we might call intimidation. Intimidation. Look with me in verses 7 and 8, right? Nehemiah chapter 4. You can keep your Bibles open here this morning. You'll see it on the screen. It says, but when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted to, together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Throughout this account, we read of the enemies of Judah seeking ways to intimidate the Jewish people to breed fear among them. In these verses, we read of how they set a plan, a plan to attack Jerusalem, and it seems like they purposely let the plan out, probably thinking that just the thought of an attack would frighten the people enough to bring the work to a halt. And you know what? They were almost successful, because if you go on to read, I won't read it now, but if you go on to read, even in verses 10 and 12, you find that the people begin to talk. They hear about this attack, and then they begin to talk about how tired they are, and they seem to repeat the threats of the enemy. You see, the people almost succumbed to the intimidation. Do You know, throughout the ages, there have been those who have persecuted God's people. They've intimidated God's people, threatening even their very lives all in the hopes of bringing the work of building to a halt. The enemy of God's people, you see, loves to intimidate and thus frighten to the point that the work of building will cease. And so he will, he will raise up those who will threaten, who will ostracize, who will work against God's people, hoping to breed enough fear in us that, that we would stop. Listen, we see it back in the first century where the Caesars were raised up and they threatened the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, you stop or we're going to throw you to the lions. You, you better stop preaching this 
this gospel or we're going to crucify you even upside down. And, 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 and time and again throughout history, we've seen the enemy just kind of vent its, its, its words of intimidation all in the hopes that God's people would just kind of back down and stop the work of building. Aren't you thankful? Even back in the first century, they didn't stop. They kept on preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The enemy will use intimidation to breed fear, fear enough to stop the work of building. Then the third thing, if you go with me to chapter 6 this morning, chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, we find that he will use misrepresentation, misrepresentation and Verses 5 through 7 here in chapter 6, we read this. Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. Look, listen to what was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it is true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. You see, the enemies of Judah sent an open letter out among the people misrepresenting the intentions of the Jewish people and their leader, Nehemiah. They said that the Jews were rebuilding the walls so that they could eventually revolt against the emperor. And they said that Nehemiah was planning to make himself their king. And of course, listen, it was all a lie. But in the context of the day, it was a believable one. And the concern was that such a misrepresentation would eventually reach the emperor's or the king's court, bringing the king's wrath upon the people of Judah. But listen, this was not the last time that God's people and the work they were doing would be misrepresented. This would not be the last time that there were actually those who would seek to malign God's people. You know, even in the book of Acts, we read of how the enemies of God's people tried to paint a picture of the early Christians as those who sought to overthrow Rome, as those who sought to send the Roman Empire into a state of chaos. Those early Christians were called by the Romans pagans. Can you imagine? They were called pagans because they didn't worship the Roman gods. And they were called an immoral people because of what they, they said, they thought, and thus they said took place at their love feasts. And today we know There are those who continue to attempt to misrepresent the people of God as hate mongers, as hypocrites, as bigots, as self-serving, as those who are seeking political power or those who merely want financial gain. Now, listen, we need to be careful that we ourselves don't bring some of that on ourselves, you know, by being hypocrites or seeking financial gain or our own greed or our own, you know, ways of living and so forth. But but listen. Even even if we're living the way God would have us to live, there will be those who will seek to misrepresent us. And many in the world believe the rumors and the misrepresentations and the reputation of God's people is often maligned by those who are out to stop the work of the church. And unfortunately, those misrepresentations have often become great obstacles to the work of the church. But the enemy has succeeded at times in hindering the work of building by giving the church and God's people a bad name. Listen, we don't want to create a bad name for ourselves, but we need to know the enemy will seek to do it. The fourth 
attack is this. And that is an attack on leadership, an attack on leadership. You know, in chapter 6, beginning at verse 10, I'm going to skip some of, of, the, of the verses here, but in verse 10 it says, it says there that one day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. And he said, this is Nehemiah speaking, let us, let us meet in the house of God, or, or Nehemiah writing, I should say. He said to Nehemiah, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple. Let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you by night. They're coming to kill you. But I said... But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Notice an attack on leadership on Nehemiah. For here we read of the attack coming to Nehemiah in a very personal way. And it actually comes from one who is within the ranks, one who should have been trusted, but who instead became a tool in the hand of the enemy. You see, what's happening is Nehemiah is asked to compromise his integrity by seeking refuge in the temple, by entering a part of the temple that was reserved only for the priests, by showing cowardice in the face of opposition. This was an attempt to undermine the authority and the leadership of Nehemiah to compromise with the enemy. For you see, if Nehemiah would fall, the whole project would come to an end. There's two things I see here. One is when we're reminded of this, take down the leader and there's a good chance the work of building is going to stop. And secondly, that we need to beware of the attacks that come from within. But the fact is the enemy of God's people continues even today to attack the leadership of God's people. Sometimes that comes from the outside and often that attack even comes from within. Those who even seem trustworthy become a tool in the hand of the enemy to undermine the authority of leadership by tempting them with compromise, by intimidating them to the point that they give into fear or even maybe to do things they ought not do or even just by discouraging the leadership to the point that they give up on the task. The enemy will often bring attacks on the leadership. Why? Because if they can destroy the shepherds, then the sheep will scatter and become easy prey. And listen, we've seen it. We've seen it in our own day and age, have we not? Time and time again. And so you see, church, we need to constantly be aware of the tactics of the enemy, conscious of the fact that as we seek to build and even rebuild a strong community of faith, there will be constant opposition, for there will be forces working to discourage us, to intimidate us, to misrepresent us, and even to bring down our leadership. And so how ought we respond? I know all of that sounds like, oh, pastor, I'm so exhausted right now, you know? Like, this is so negative right now. Here's the good news, okay? Here's the good news. But look at the response of God's people. We see in verse, chapter 4, verse 6, where we read these words, where it says, So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height, for all the people worked with all their heart. How ought we respond in, 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 in the face of, of opposition? Listen, just continue to work with all your heart. Just continue to work with all your heart. Don't give him too much credit. Don't listen to his words. 
Just continue to work with all your heart. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that we as Christians, we want to give the, the devil, we want to give the enemy too much credit by constantly talking about him. And we stop and we look, oh, he's over there. He's over. No, just work with all your heart. Yes, we need to understand his, his, his strategy and his tactics, but we keep on working. These people, they kept on working. Why? Because they knew the importance of the task. It had gripped their heart. They were passionate. They understood the need for these walls. And so they couldn't just give up. They couldn't allow some negative words to stop them in their track. They couldn't allow some intimidation to kind of just make them stop what they were doing. These walls had to be rebuilt if they were ever to, to live in safety and fulfill the plan of God for their lives. I want to tell us today that if a strong spiritual community of faith is to be built, even here in this place, we, we need those who will work with all their heart, even in the face of opposition. If these walls are to be be built firm and strong, we will need men and women who will build with all their heart, even in the face of an enemy. The second thing is this. What, what do we see here? Stay on your guard. Stay on your guard. If you look in chapter 4, verse 13, right, Nehemiah writes, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families and with their swords, spear, spears, and bows. Verse 16, from that day on, half my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. And over in verse 21, so we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. You see, in these verses, we read of, of Nehemiah and the people having to take action in the face of, of intimidation and the threat of a possible invasion. And listen, verse 7, right, if you go back there, you find that the list of enemies has grown. There are enemies, in other words, on all sides of them. Enemies in the north, the south, the east, the west. And thus, Nehemiah takes steps to guard the work and protect the people. And from this point on, we're told that they did their work with weapon in hand, on guard, ready for battle at any moment. Now, listen, they didn't go out looking for the battle. They didn't go up to stir up trouble, but they were ready. And the result is found in verse 15, which says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. You know, Jesus told his disciples to watch and pray. He taught us to be on guard against the one who would come like, like in sheep's clothing, the wolf who would come like sheep's clothing to destroy God's work. Paul write, for, wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 16, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Come on, do I need to read that to us again? Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, stand strong. Unfortunately, too many of God's people have been caught off guard and this church is divided or hindered or taken down. Listen, we're in the midst of, of warfare. We cannot take our enemy for granted. And thus, church, we must stay on our guard, working with all our heart and yet maybe keeping a weapon in hand, putting on the full armor of God. If you don't know what that is, go to Ephesians chapter 6 and read about it. Be on guard. Stay aware of what's happening. Stay aware of the plans of the enemy. And the third thing is this, and place your confidence in God. Place your confidence in God. Back in, ch in chapter 4, verse 14, we read these words. 
where Nehemiah says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Over in verse 20, we read this. Whatever you, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there for our God will fight for us. Amen. Our God will fight for us. And in the face of opposition, Nehemiah continually prayed and encouraged the people to look to God, to, to keep their confidence in him, to place their faith in him. He reminded them of the greatness of God. He reminded that God was on their side. I can just hear him say with the Apostle Paul, as we read it earlier in the service, if God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, we need to hear the same this morning because, listen, this is not our work. Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. We are just partners with him doing what he asks us to do. And we, I believe that God is able to protect his work. And so we hear David's words to, to Goliath. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. We need to remember that it is not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that the work of the Lord and the plans of God will be fulfilled, that he will complete the good work that he's begun, and that, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we say with Nehemiah, our God will fight for us. Will you say it right now? Our God will fight for us. So we put our confidence in God. As the enemy comes swooping in, we put our confidence in God. You know, throughout their time of building, thank you, Kim, the people of Judah, again, they faced continual opposition. The enemy was continually trying to discourage God's people, attempting to intimidate them into giving up, misrepresenting them before others, trying to topple their leadership. But the people responded by continuing the work, working with all their hearts, staying on their guard and putting their confidence in God. And the result is found in chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, which says, so the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, in 52 days, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Oh, what a great testimony, church, that in spite of the opposition, the wall was built. The work was completed. God's people had triumphed. And people all around realized that the God of heaven, the true God of heaven, had been involved. And I believe the same can be true for us today. Listen, church, and I'm speaking to myself right now, okay? So I'm not pointing at you. You know, you, you point at someone, you got like four fingers pointing back at yourself or whatever they say, you know? But listen, we don't need to give in to discouragement. We live in a very discouraging world right now. But we don't need to give in to discouragement. We don't need to um, give in to fear. There's a lot of things that can make us afraid. We don't need to give in to temptation. The enemy's out there trying to tempt us in so many ways. We don't need to give up the work of building just because there are those who would try to stop us or maybe because things have become so hard. And it is hard. Building a community of faith 
that would that would bring blessing to God's people, glory to God. Building a community of faith that's able to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not easy work. I mean, stone upon stone upon stone upon stone. But God is able to give us success. And so church, let's keep on building. Let's keep on building. In spite of all the things that are happening in our world, the pandemics, the divisions, the politics, the church of Jesus Christ will be built. And even in the face of opposition, we can see built here in this place walls that are strong and firm, a community of faith that will bring blessing to our world, nurture to the believers, and glory to God if we'll give ourselves to the work of of building. So church, no matter who or what comes against us, no matter what things may come our way, no matter how the situations of life may suddenly change, we as God's people, we give ourselves to him and we say, God, we're going to keep on building. We're going to keep on working. Even if it means we can only have 25% of our congregation at a time in the building here, in the sanctuary, we're going to keep on building. Even if we can only do home groups via Zoom, we're going to keep on building. Even, even if it means that our economy is turned upside down or the vote doesn't go the way we hoped it would go or, you know, in, in our minds the, the wrong people are, are, are leading us in government or whatever it might be, God, we're going to keep on building. We're not going to be discouraged. We're not going to be overtaken by fear. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to back down. And I would ask you, church, to pray for your leadership. Yeah, for me as pastor, for the other pastors. Pray for our board, those leading our ministries. The enemy would love to get to us all. But God, we're not going to let that happen. God, we're going to keep on building. We're going to keep on building. Will you bow your heads and pray with me as the worship team comes? Because if you're here this morning or maybe online with us and um, you've not come to know the grace and the work of Jesus in your life, you've not yet put your faith in him and given yourself to following him, I want to encourage you today. That's, that's, that's the first and most important thing you need to do today. Just say, God, I give my life to you today. I give my life to following you today that I might receive your grace and your mercy, forgiveness of sin, the hope of eternity, that you might today become part of the people of God. And today, um, today I would just encourage you, if you haven't taken that step yet, to take that step, even as I pray in just a moment. Others of us here this morning online, we just pray a prayer saying, God, will you use my life? Maybe, maybe you've been feeling discouraged, saying, God, here's my discouragement. Will you, will you lift me up today? Maybe you've been giving into fear, God. Here's my fear. Would you just fill me with courage today? Whatever it is. And so, Lord, today we 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 look to you. I pray for maybe some here this morning who um 
are reaching out to you for the very first time, God, that they would know the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God, their Heavenly Father, that has come to them, been brought to them through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as they reach out to 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 you today, as they take a step of faith, I pray by your spirit, you would come, you would wash them, you would make them new, you would fill their heart with new hope. God, we just pray against the work of the enemy within their lives, within any of our lives. Lord, and we pray, I pray today for your people, Lord, that that you would step into our lives. You would fill us today with encouragement, with courage, with faith, with confidence, that we would know that there's nothing in this life, nothing in this world that is able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That yes, the weapons are our warfare. They are mighty. They're not carnal. It's not the things of this earth that are going to get us through. But God, you have given us your spirit. You've given us your word. You, you, you're the one who's able to help us and I pray God for us as a church God that as we move towards the days to come we know there might be some difficult times but Lord we just commit ourselves to being a people who will unite together and who will continue to build and do what you've called us to do even in the face of opposition and we thank you God that with your help not because of us But with your help, we will accomplish that which you have called us to accomplish. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.